Welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave Severns. I am the worship pastor here at Compass Point Bible Church, and today with me is Pastor Paul Eastwood. Hey. How are you doing today, Paul? I'm doing great. I just uh, finished doing uh, a little uh, information meeting for our church, and uh, and so if you were tuned into that, thank you for doing that. And uh, it's uh, yeah, it's kind of exciting to see where we've come from and how we've got through all this stuff, and uh, also where we're heading. It's pretty cool. Yeah, just wild days we're living. Um, and, and you know, it feels like everything's changing, and we're kind of finding a new normal, which maybe is a good good place to to remind us and to start as we dive in today. So we're we're continuing this uh, summer series in Matthew. Um, do you want to give us a little recap of what you were talking about on Sunday, Paul? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. And so we we've been looking at this big idea of the kingdom. And so in order for us to do that, first you got to figure out there's three things that a kingdom needs. King mm-hmm. needs monarch, a monarch. So. In this case, Jesus is the king. We know that. Um, he was identified as the king from way long ago in the Old Testament. And so the, the kingdom that's being established under this king is, is um, you know, is being identified right at the beginning of Matthew. So a kingdom needs a king. That's Jesus. A kingdom also needs a reign. And that is the, what is it, what is the, what is living under the authority of the monarch look like? And we're going to yeah. talk about that as we go into the Sermon on the Mount, these next chapters that we look into. But the third thing the kingdom needs is a people. And so, hmm. you know, Jesus begins this chapter in Matthew, or Matthew begins by sharing about Jesus and how he calls the first kingdom makers into his fold. You know, he calls the first people who are going to follow him and be, you know, his subjects um, in this. And mm-hmm. and I think that's a real, it's a it's a powerful place to start because it reminds us that, you know that our job is not to um not to make a kingdom but our job is to is to submit to the kingdom and to put ourselves mm. in in under the reign of king jesus yeah so that's, that's what it was uh, about it was about the call of the disciples it was jesus saying to them hey follow me and them leaving stuff and following yeah and those are i mean those are some pretty crazy stories i think for those of us who have heard them a bunch we kind of take them for granted um but like like if you had to tell one of those stories as a modern day parable, um, what would it look like? What would it look like? What, what were the kind of extremes that these people went to to drop what they were doing and follow Jesus? Yeah, that's an interesting question because, I mean, obviously when we look at this passage, we think of their occupations and they dropped yeah. things that were valuable to them, things that brought them security, things that, you know, were, you know, sort of their their kind of protection. They dropped that and they and they went to follow Jesus. And I think that's, you know, very, that's important. And, you know, modern day, we can also point to people who, who leave their profession for whatever reason to follow Jesus into a new path. Um, Mm -hmm. That happens on occasion, but that doesn't always happen. And and Jesus doesn't call all of us to leave our professions. In fact, he doesn't call many of us to leave our professions in the same way. In fact, we need Mm -hmm. to live our faith out in those professions as, uh, you know, as representatives of the king and the kingdom. But what I would say is that, Um, is that what we, what we see in this passage is, is I think, I think if I were to put it into a modern day context, at least for where my headspace is at right now, I would say that, you know, Jesus asks us to drop all kinds of things and says, Mm. follow me. And for me, it may not be a job, but it is an attitude or a thought pattern or a, um, you know, some kind of a, a behavior pattern that kind of like is ingrained in me so much. And, and I just keep trying to do it and trying to do it and trying to do it. 
Uh, mm-hmm. One of the things I, I talk about a lot for me personally is I'm a fixer. So when there's a problem or an issue, I just want to jump in and figure it out. Let's get it done. Let's yeah. figure it out. Let's fix it. And and I, I hear Jesus compassionately and patiently saying, hey, Paul, I'm over here. Come follow me. Hmm. And that is so powerful to me because I think that in the modern day, you know, like we need to be reminded of all of the stuff we hold on to and that we just, you know, won't let go of. Um, and it could be even feelings about ourselves, like guilt or shame or whatever. And and it could be negative things or positive things. And and Jesus yeah. says, hey, 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 I'm here. Follow me. Hmm. And, and I think that's what I was really captured by um, in this passage. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not, I mean, so there's obviously some people who drop their career, um, you know, leave their mechanics tools and and pick up their commentaries and become preachers, which is great. And there's nothing wrong with that. But what we're saying is that we're all called like the disciples to follow Jesus. And often the things that we're dropping are, they're both more subtle and yet uh, kind of more foundational to who we are, right? They're the, the ingrained habits. They're the things that we we hold dear their, um, yeah, the things that we define ourselves by, and Jesus is calling us to drop them and follow Him, uh, which and is if we don't drop super hard, yeah, and if we don't drop something, then we're maintaining a different kingdom. We're we're trying yeah. to establish a different kingdom, um, right. and I think that's I think that's important. Like for yes. so so dropping something is important, but it, and so how how do I know if I'm part of a different kingdom? What is it like? What are, um, yeah, what are some of the telltale signs these days that I am in fact, uh, a part of a kingdom that doesn't look like Jesus's? What are, what are some of those kingdoms? Cause we, you know, we don't live in a world of kingdoms as such, right? We don't call them that. Uh, and, and yet we kind of do, I mean, it's Canada day tomorrow when we're recording this, um, you know, is being in the Canadian kingdom somehow wrong or anti-Jesus? Or how do we how do we deal with these different ways we define ourselves, these different groups we put ourselves in? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I, I say I would say that what is on the throne in your life, right? Mm. That's the question that we need to ask ourselves. What is on the throne? And a way to get to the question of like what is that thing? I think the that we have to ask ourselves, what is the one thing in our lives that we feel like we couldn't live without? And if we yeah. start identifying things like our family or our money or our, you know, other things, those things begin to paint a picture of what's truly important to us and frankly, what's on the throne of our lives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, that's the question I think at the crux that we st- need to start to, to wrestle with. Um, I did this really weird little experiment and I shared it on Sunday um, um, about worship music and singing. And I, yeah. I talked about that idea that I was instructed one time, I don't know where it was, um, um, to do something physical in the moment to remind myself that I'm coming into the presence of God and letting things go. Um, yeah, I actually, really love this. I got to tell you, you, I remember years and years and years ago, you did a, a worship set once at a, in a context and I was there um, mm-hmm. and you encouraged us to like take our shoes off, like with this yeah. idea of like coming into like a holy space. Mm-hmm. And doing something physical like that actually helps us get our heads in the game when it comes to, you know, what when our wor- what does our worship look like? 
yeah. the thing that I mentioned to you was actually the, the idea of just emptying your pockets. And, you know, maybe yeah. you did that with me too. I, I can't remember, but uh, I don't know if that one was me, but, but like, but just the, the act of like emptying my pockets and leaving my wallet and my phone and my, you know, mm. like money or whatever I had on the, on the little pew behind me and then singing, it was, there was something really dramatic that happens because you start to recognize all the things that you hold on to. Mm-hmm. So I asked the question on Sunday, you know, what are your pockets stuffed with? Like, what do hmm. you hold on to that is, you know, that, that is, you know, maybe actually getting in the way of the way you worship the King. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think this is, uh, this is always true, but maybe during this pandemic, even more so I find myself asking and, and what's really revealing in my life is what are the things when I daydream during church, when I, when I lose my focus and when I start to think about something else, what are those things? Um, because, you know, sometimes it's the the thing outside the window, but usually it's something that's important to me. Usually it's something that I care about deeply. Um, you know, is it is it a thing? Is it getting something? Is it uh, a relationship? Is it all kinds of things? Is it um, the power that we, you know, there's there's lots of things. And, and they're not, I mean, it's the hard thing with idols, right? Idols aren't um, wholesale bad at their foundation they're they're good things in god's creation that we have made ultimate things they're good things that we've put on the throne um and they've become these these kingdoms that we we place ourselves in and uh we remove jesus from that place of lordship and we forget to follow him instead we follow something else um okay so i mean we've talked in some good generalities about that um what what does it look like to start dethroning those things in our lives uh, and, and instead turning to Jesus? Do we, do we first need to dethrone or do we first need to turn to Jesus? You know what I'm asking there? Yeah, like, it's a good question. Is there, is there a balance? Yeah, I, I, think, I think the idea of, of dethroning first is important. I think there is a, um, something to be said about that. I, I think it's about it's about being idea or, or being aware of like what's around us and what's important okay. to us and all of those things. So it's it's almost like it requires us to have a conversation with someone that we care about and mm-hmm. and say, you know, what are what are some of the things that really that you know bother me or get me upset or what are the things that I can't live without or and then actually saying those things out loud starts mm-hmm. to give us an indication of of that. I would say though the other thing would be like you know, playing some games with yourself to, to, you know, to just recognize, like, so, so I think I've shared this story in messages before, but I I knew this guy from camp who would never put anything on top of his Bible. And it it was, it was a silly little tradition that he kind of had made up in his mind, but he decided that he wouldn't put anything on his Bible because it was an indication that whatever that was, he was putting above God and above Mm. Jesus's Lordship. Yeah. Now it's silly. He didn't really care. He's not legalistic about it. The point yeah. was that he would look at his Bible and anything that was on top of it, he would make a commentary about himself and just kind of think it through. So what does it mean mm-hmm. when my cell phone is on top of, you know, like, what am I valuing above right. God? You know, what does it mean when there's like a fruit sitting at like a banana or, or an apple on top yeah. of it or a glass or, you know, what does it mean when and, and he would start to think through those things? Like, what do I think about my food or my sustenance or whatever? And yeah. and. Sometimes I think those conversations help us with the idea of dethroning, like you suggested. I think it helps us yeah. know what needs to get moved and, and what doesn't. So Yeah, and I think there's some really helpful lines there um, between kind of legalistic 
making rules that, that you have to follow at all costs, uh, which, which is not what we're called to do. And, and Jesus actually came to tear down those systems of legalism and rules. And we're pretty good at acknowledging that. But also this idea that we can, for our own good and for our own hearts, um, place ourselves in, uh, under, under the authority of confines for a while. Um, right. So like Lent is this idea, right? I'm giving up something. Um, it's not a legalistic thing. It's not that God tells me I can't have fun or shouldn't do these things. It's, it's a heart check opportunity through habit to make sure that Jesus is still Lord, that Jesus is still on the throne. Um, and there's all kinds of little ways I've mentioned this before on the podcast. I had this moment last year where I was on my phone and I use the Bible app. I, I mean, I've got physical Bibles too, but I realized that my Bible app was on page three of my phone in a folder. And I was like, what does that say about how much I value this in the center of my life? Like email is right there on that bottom menu that never moves. And the Bible app, well, you know, it's somewhere else. Um, and so I've, I moved it that day. I, I moved it and it now sits on the bottom right corner, the easiest app to get to on my phone. Um, right. And I'm not, I'm not saying everyone needs to do that, but, uh, take some time, think about some of these things, um, talk about them with your spouse or your friends or, or someone in your life. Uh, and, and kind of what are, what are some of these things you could put in place again, not legalistic rules, but things that can remind you that Jesus is on the throne and intentionally remove them. Um, I know people in this season doing that with social media, taking it off their phones, uh, because it's too, it's too much. It's too distracting. It's becoming too habitual to check. And that's a great practice. Does it mean that everyone with social media is on their phones is somehow worshiping that instead of Jesus? Of course not. But it's a great question to ask ourselves. So, um, so what, I, what I'd love to do is go from there. So like once you put Jesus on the throne, the next question is what does it look like to, to be a follower and to end? And I think what was really powerful about the story is that Jesus tells the, the disciples, he says, I will make you fishers of men. Right. Mm -hmm. And this becomes this really weird sort of thing that we that, you know, we talk about a lot and there's been, you know, sayings around it and all kinds of stuff like that. And and so I think this idea is really important for us to just explore just briefly as well, is yeah. that is that followers of Jesus are always commissioned. You know, mm -hmm. in other words, they're given a job to do. And, and what, it, what that means is that it doesn't matter what you do, whatever your skill set is, whatever your job is, responding to Jesus is not something that's quiet and personal. Ultimately, it's something that is displayed um, yeah. and, and it results in this idea of discipling others in some way. Yeah. So like, you know, it's like the idea of being a, a reflection of Jesus, the king, is someone who disciples others. And, and I mm. think that like it's like, come follow me. And I'll help you as you have others follow you. Like it's this idea of this, yeah. you know, fisher, fishing for men. And I think that was really yeah. important. Yeah. Which is uh, like, I love our CP kids leader shirts, which say, follow me as I follow Jesus. Right. It's that, that idea. I also, I mean, you use the word commissioning. I having uh, a background in arts and spent lots of time in art classes in college and university through my master's and undergrad. Um, I love this idea of commissioning. Um, and, and while, I mean, it's, it's common in the art world and the high art world, especially, um, while occasionally works of art get commissioned even today throughout history, I've gotten commissioned for just a private individual. They're usually commissioned for a group. They're commissioned to be public. They're commissioned to be seen. Right. And this idea that that's what Jesus is doing to us. He's commissioning us to, to make something 
not for ourselves. If we think our faith is about ourselves, just saving us from, from damnation and hell, right? Like, no, that's, we're missing it. It's actually, we're being commissioned to be part of the kingdom and part of the good news of the kingdom. Um, I just, I love that. Um, I'm actually so, so excited. Uh, I, I commissioned one of the artists in our church, uh, a while back to create a piece, uh, that he has just finished and we're going to be doing a video of shortly. So you're gonna have to wait and see that. But again, this is, it's this beautiful look at worship in this huge visual art, uh, basically a mural. Um, and, and again, this is a quiet guy that many of you wouldn't know, but he's, he's using part of what he has to, to speak the gospel, to be part of this kingdom. And I just, I love that. And I, and uh, you know, in, in Matthew's gospel, when he talks about the kingdom ties the whole story of Jesus right back to Abraham. And Abraham mm. becomes that first character, right? So the genealogy goes yeah. back to Abraham, right? Yeah. And Ab- the Abrahamic covenant, when God spoke to Abraham, he said, you're going to have this descendant, uh, these descendants who are going to be a blessing. And they are going to yeah. not only uh, receive the blessing from God, but they would be the blessing to the whole world, right? That, And, and so that would be in the back of the minds of the people who are reading Matthew for the first time. Mm-hmm. And so when Jesus calls the first disciples to be fishers of men, this isn't a surprise. This isn't a new plan. This has always been the plan. This is how God blesses the nations and, and he uses us. It's like, yeah, good news. He's got a plan. Bad news. It's you. It's you. <laughs> <laughs> so get to it. Yeah. So how do we like, how do we pick that up and do it? Um, you know, how do we like, honestly, faith is we're told, you know, religion is great. As long as it's private, you can believe whatever you want. Um, how do we, in our society today, lean into this commission without becoming obnoxious? Um, and, and, you know, there, on one hand, we, we want to love and obviously there's ways to do that, but how do we speak up? How do we have a voice without, you know, I'm, I'm constantly trying to walk that line between, you know, that really quiet, never says anything, no one's really sure what he believes guy and those like slightly obnoxious, I guess I'll have to call them brothers and sisters who do things that make me cringe. Right. And I mean, it could be just about anything and you could be on the exact opposite side of something and feel that way about me. But how, how do we lean in and become uh, appropriate people of, of voice and of love? What does that, what does that look like? What are some steps to get us there, Paul? Well, the good news is we are moving into that territory as we move into the next few passages when we start talking about this idea of how we are to reflect it, right? I mean, in a a few verses after this passage, Jesus is going to describe his disciples as salt and light. And and so he's going to ask them to be like a city on a hill that can't be hidden. And and I believe that, you know, we do need to uh, reflect well and we do need to walk that line very carefully Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, to me, I, I always point to, you know, the, the way that, that Jesus brought along his first disciples. We actually see this not in Matthew, but in John, when he started mm-hmm. bringing all these guys along, he didn't, he didn't go to them and say, okay, guys, here are the rules. Here's what you got to do. Here's what you got to know. Here's what you got to like, what he did was he said, come and see. That's yeah. all he said. And so then one disciple goes and he tells another disciple and the guy says, well, what about this? Or I don't think that Jesus is from Galilee or he couldn't exist or I don't even know. And then his response is come and see. And then that guy goes and runs off to another guy who's sitting under a tree and he says, come and see. And that kind of, to me, that I think is, is a good uh, balanced approach for us because, you know, you can say to somebody, 
like someone might say to you, yeah, I, I don't get it. I don't believe it. I'm not really sure. I don't, you know, whatever. And the response should just be, you know what? Come and see. This is this is how God is affecting my life. And this is what mm-hmm. life in the kingdom looks like. I want you to, to introduce you to Jesus. Just come and see. And, yeah. and then, you know, like it's not about twisting somebody's arm. Um, Jesus doesn't need a marketing campaign. He just yeah, needs people to come into that presence, you know? And it's it's also not about. I mean, you, you and I, uh, and especially I, I guess, live in this world of of church and well produced church, and you know, doing things that are creative and fun and interesting. And like, that's not that's not faith. That's not following Jesus. Oh, we love those things; they're great. We think they're a great way to point our hearts to God and to worship God. But um, if what you're saying to people is come check out my church, um, and not come check out my life, then like maybe maybe spend some time thinking about that. Uh, our church is never going to be that impressive, and it, it shouldn't be. What What's most impressive is what God is doing in my life and in your life and in, in anyone's life, right? And that's that's the work of the gospel is not is not building mega churches and and awesome sound. It's uh, grace in our daily lives. That feels like a great place to leave us off. A little bit of a cliffhanger. We can look forward to uh, next week and talking a little bit about the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, and what's what's coming there. Um, any closing thoughts? Yeah, I just want to I just want to say, you know what? Um we're all following at some time in our life. We're following mm. we follow all the time. And we think we stand out and we're ourselves and we're an individual, but oftentimes we find when you dig down deep, you're following somebody, some yeah. thought, some, you know, uh, you know, cultural trend, some guru, some writer, some podcaster, some you know, influencer online. And, and, you know, I think this is a good time for us in the summer to just pause and reflect on the people who have some authority in our life Mm. and, and make a decision and say, you know what, I'm going to choose to allow Jesus to take the throne of my life and I'm going to follow him. Um, and, and choose, you know, every day choose what it, what does it look like to follow him? Let's let, like, let me take that step. Let me take that next step. Um, we can find so much joy as we become followers and find ourselves as the people of the kingdom. So good. Well, thanks for joining us this week on Postscript. Uh, If you've got questions, as always, we would love to hear them, love to be able to interact with you and with them and maybe host a little conversation here about it. Uh, Tune in next week and we'll have another fresh episode for you and we will see you then.